0: Who wants, tell you, who wants a pot of coffee? I just make coffee. You want a cup of coffee? Sure, there you go. Who wants coffee? Anybody else want coffee? Who wants coffee? And now it's time for the man with the caffeine, the new tropics for the brain. It's coffee with Mike. Hang in, hang tight, grab your cup, and let's get this thing started.
1: Hey, welcome back everybody to Java chat. This is coffee with Mike. And today I get to sit with this gentleman over here by the name of Hugh Edwards, who's got a really interesting story. Um, And and I'm going to obviously let him share it it's cool the way he describes himself first off thanks you for for coming and hanging out with me on java chat i really appreciate it
0: pleasure to be here mike pleasure to be here
1: you you have like we were kind of talking the pre-show and he started going into his story and i'm like whoa time on hold on this is good stuff don't lose that i need i need this on the actual show (laughs) so so it's like you guys gotta hear this this is really fucking cool um because where he is one where he's from where he went what he's done and then i i didn't even get through most of his career or we were talking to show but i'm sitting here going this dude is like exponentially beyond a lot of people I, we got to hear the rest of this and you'll you'll hear why when he starts talking about it it's fucking cool hugh give us a give us a good start start back where you started in the beginning and and pull yeah. that back in and let, let's let's roll it let's roll this journey that you're in
0: fantastic well it's a pleasure to be here thanks for having me on the show mm-hmm. um so Hugh Edwards spelt H U W, it's the Welsh spelling from Wales. And the bottom line is, is that, you know, I describe myself as fucked up and overeducated. <laughs> I and, love that, dude. That is, that is you awesome. know, I really when I reflect a lot, you know, for a lot of my life, I've been, you know, a very insecure overachiever. And I grew up in a great family. I had a wonderful upbringing. I was, you know, raised by teachers in a little village in Wales in the countryside, um, and so I enjoyed excelling. But I ha- went down this path for many, many years, you know, decades of I'll be happy when. Well, let me
1: let me t- real quick. You're born in a village. That in and of itself, how big is a village? You know, a hundred, a couple of
0: thousand, four hundred people, a couple hundred houses. Yeah.
1: But one of, one of those deals where if Mary farts on one side of the town, everybody will know it by about two hours later on the other side, kind of that kind of thing. How do you, how do you even begin to, because uh, obviously as a kid, you had to have known, all right, this ain't the place for me.
0: <laughs> so it's kind of funny. And I take my parents as inspiration. Firstly, they were both teachers. My mom was a maths teacher. Let's oh, say maths, because that's what we say in the UK, we call it maths. Yeah. Um, and uh, and she just taught me, you know, and I didn't realize, but and she, and I was a great learner and I like to ask questions. I mean, I think I was incessant as a child, you know, it's like, <laughs> but why? And the trouble is, I think my mum answered the questions and then every question, every answer creates a new question. Yeah. So it was never ending, right? Uh, and my father was a maths and PE teacher as well. Um, then became a professor, taught teachers how to, you know, uh, teach physical education and maths and things like that. Um, but interestingly, they both worked in uh, um, one of the bigger cities. In well, not huge city, where, a place called Newport and a place called Pontypool. And but they had decided to live in the countryside and do the hour drive, and it was a real hour of, as in is an hour to drive you know from outside Austin into Austin these days which is just the thread for me um but this was really but, like i mean this is an hour at 60 70 miles an hour you know it's, it's, it's a real it's city. a real
1: road trip it's not it's, it's not a real road trip travel. i mean
0: it was great and and my parents made that decision that they liked where they wanted to work but they wanted to live where they wanted to live in the mountains in the scenery that's awesome so i think i internalized that so i kind of knew i was not going to be sticking and my parents had grown up, my dad grew up in what Wales are called the valleys. The Wales is known for the valleys where, where they dug the coal and they had the whale, Welsh male voice choirs. Um, and my dad was one of 11 siblings. Wow. Um, and most of them, I would say probably <clears throat> about nine of them still live in that, you know, live some have passed now, but still lived in that same area they were born. Wow. Um, and so, whereas my parents had left the coop, and yeah. so I'd already had this, you know, I, you know, I already knew I was going to be leaving to go and explore the world. And I had, you know, I had ideas and, um, and things that I w- was attracted to, you know, I grew up in Wales. I was interested in going to England. Um, and my, my parents, you know, fueled my, you know, thirst for learning. Uh, my mom had, um, had done her teacher training at Oxford. Um, so she'd introduced me, she'd, what I liked about what I love about my parents is that they'd sowed seeds, right? And I think about this a lot. I don't yet have children. I want to have children. Um, uh, but they never made me do anything. They sowed seeds in the direction I went. Um, and so anyway, my mom had sown some seeds about, you know, Oxford and mathematics, which is where eventually I wanted to leave. I wanted to go somewhere bigger sure. and, and have new adventures. And that's what led, took me out of Wales.
1: Is that where the is that where the whole thing started? Where I'll be happy when, or did that come later?
0: I think I really think it was. You know, <laughs> I think you know. Um, it's funny. Firstly, I think a lot. You know, in the work that I do now, and my interactions with about self worth and about value, and my parents tell this great story where, like, I remember coming home when I'm probably six years old or something. Like that, and I was like, oh, I'm really bad at mathematics. So my parents are like, oh dear. So they go to like. <laughs> you know they go to well i'm like oh interesting okay they go to they go to the teacher meeting you know that year or whatever and they're like yeah he thinks he's, says he's really bad at mathematics they're like uh he's like the best kid seen <laughs> you know? so it's funny how somehow we can you know internalize the you know not worthy i'm not good enough and um, and my outlet for that you know for right or wrong was that well i would crush homework i would crush accolades i would do that and it's like but it never and it was a funny thing and it took me till you know in my you know 30s to realize that this cycle that i was in that like i don't i don't really love myself i don't really feel worthy oh i'll be worthy when and for me oh, for boy. some people it's like well i get the car <clears throat> or the house or the wife or the kids uh, but for me it was like well I go to Oxford, Oxford University. I was the first kid from my school to go to Oxford. So it's like, I forgot to Oxford. But then I get to Oxford, there's a lot. I thought I was good at mathematics. And there are people who are good at mathematics. and People who are good at mathematics. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's like you know, this is the, I love Goodwill Hunting. The one thing Goodwill Hunting got wrong, right, is it had Matt Damon, who's like ridiculously good looking and was like ripped, and had you know, it's like the, the I met the Matt Damon like characters, and they wore socks with sandals. They couldn't maintain eye contact with you, and they didn't shower, and um, and so I realized that I was a different be- a different beast um but then how do you like them mean, apples <laughs> well, exactly how that. do you like then, them apples <laughs> how do you like them apples you know uh, <laughs> i could talk to girls when people asked i said they'd like what do you what do you say, what do you read you know what what do you study what are you reading and i'd be like guess and they'd be like i don't know history or <laughs> English or something like that and i'd be like mathematics they're like no <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, but it's funny how this, you know, but I still had not got to, you know. So then the next one is, well, what do I do now? Well, you go to Oxford and where do all the, the talented people go? Go to London, the yeah. city. Sure. You know, investment banking, you yeah. know. And so, oh, I'll be happy when I go there, these bright lights. And so I go and I get a, get a, managed to get a job at Goldman Sachs, you know, the pinnacle hey. of investment banking That's in London. And because I did mathematics, they stuck me in a group doing derivatives. Um, you know, of course. Now I didn't do it. I didn't structure credit derivatives. The financial crisis was not my responsibility. <laughs> uh, just
1: want to make that disclaimer real quick. Clear but you know, I, had,
0: I I know, like a lot of people, I worked <laughs> ridiculously hard. I um, abused my body. You know, I drank a lot. I um, you know really burned <laughs> the candle at both ends. Um and I was think how that
1: happens a lot in investment banking. It's kind of a trend of some sort for some reason
0: exactly. the combination <laughs> of money, stress, ego power uh, client entertaining and am um, um, I one of the things which has always been I don't think I have some grand philosophy um, on uh, or, you know, frameworks for how to live your life or do things, but I have little heuristics. Uh, and one of them is, well, and I, you know, I only learned this later. One of this is, uh, and I did it by um, subconsciously and then started to do it more consciously, which is, and this is a little controversial, I think in a lot of those entrepreneurial circles, uh, quit early, quit often, right? Be the best quitter because it's really hard to plan and find the right thing. You know, this like, I'm gonna outthink my future career and what's gonna be great for me. It doesn't work like that. It hasn't worked for me. I haven't seen it worked for almost anyone else. Um, but what I've seen people do and what I found personally, what has worked for me is like, I try something, does it work, does it not? And evolve. Does it work, does it not? And that's kind of like the entrepreneurial journey, the entrepreneurial yeah. endeavor. Yeah. Um, test, invest. Um, and so some of the heuristics there, I, whenever I've worked anywhere, or I've looked at the, you know, early in my career, who are the people 10 years ahead of me? Yeah. Do I want to be them?
1: Yeah. And
0: then sometimes answers like, I don't want to be this person. I don't want to be that lady. I don't want to be that guy. Um, I, don't want to, I, want, I don't want to have the relationship they appear to have with their children. Not, um, not I don't want to look age. like they look like, you know, they're still going out doing these all-nighters at the club with the clients, you know, with the, uh, the pharmacological assistance um, that the 20 somethings are doing, um, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I quit after, yeah. after four years of Goldman, and I, uh, started the path to the sort of the entrepreneur. I went to work for a venture capital firm, which is, a, you know, still in finance, but now I was looking at real companies. Yeah. And we invested all over the UK, mainly in areas of inner regeneration. Um, but the funny thing is, is, I'm some like 20-something-year-old, and I'm investing in companies because I'm good at finance, and good at numbers, I'm good at reading balance sheets and P&Ls and helping them think, particularly at scale, you know, when they're looking at growing the business piece yeah. there. But I could see, we, you know, there's a partner of the firm I'm at and me, and we're in a board meeting with the company we've just invested in. And there's some, you know mid 50s year old founder you know who's built this business over 20 years and and this dipshit here me is like poking holes in his finances and sort of making comments and you can see him looking like who is this kid (laughs) right you know even if what i was saying was right and was based on good, you know, VC and invest in is pattern recognition, Yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah. most entrepreneurs do one business, yep. right? And it might go well and it might go badly and it's a roller coaster anyway, but they've usually seen it once. And the the benefit that investors have is they've seen that movie multiple times. They've seen it go well a few times, they've seen it go wrong multiple times, <laughs> and they see the patterns. And so, for example, now, I hadn't had that experience, but the partners of the firm I was at had, and I learned from them, and I could see the patterns. But I had this inauthenticity, which combined with I'll be happy when, where I was like, I feel like I'm, like, talking a big game here, right? Um, But I haven't been and done it yet. So who am I? And so some people can just push through that maybe. And there's lots of great investors that have never operated or built the, the actual end company, Um, but I wanted to go build to get, I wanted to get in there, roll up my sleeves in some way. Um, and, uh, and that triggered the next stage of the journey, which was the, then I'll be happy with, well then, so the lights keep attracting me, you know, or or did keep attracting me. So it wasn't London. So now there was this little place called America, (laughs) you know, and in a way that only like you know foreigners you know brits can see there's this american dream that you see from the outside and there's nothing i like more than going to a diner and eating apple pie and it's <laughs> like oh my god with you know some elvis in the background or yeah, something yeah,
1: you have to you have to be careful there's this new company out uh, that makes uh cookies and one of their cookies is like an oatmeal cookie that has apple compote on it it's like an apple pie we just <gasps> my son and i just had it this morning and the two of us looked at each other and went Okay, that's really way too good. <laughs> <laughs> too good. <laughs> way. We can't buy that one again. It's not. It's not. <laughs> our our diets will not will not let us live it down.
0: <laughs> oh, I have, I have, I feel it, and I've been there. Uh, <laughs> you know, I got unhealthy when I was living in London, and of course, I'll be happy with. Well, oh, let's go to America. Um, and uh, and how do I do that? Well, I mean going to business school would be a good, good way. Sure. Spend a couple sure. of years figuring out, well, where am I going to apply to? I'm going to apply to Harvard Business School, right? What? And the British accent helps. I'll, I'll definitely give some credit to the British accent. For some reason, they think you're smarter. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, but, you know, you're I... You
1: graduated from Oxford, so, so of, of course you, had, you, have, you have that uh, as a pedigree. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: So... <laughs> And I had a great experience, but it was also an awful experience in some ways, because way to put myself in a place to keep up with the Joneses. Like everyone there is another. Actually, I would say the majority of them are also fucked up and overeducated. Oh, yeah. Harvard's Harvard's got a
1: lot of really talented, smart kids. I mean, it's like there's no shortage in that school. That's for damn
0: sure. That's absolutely... True, and at the same time, they're also in some ways very risk averse. Yeah. In a funny way, yeah. trying to optimize, mm-hmm. I'll go try to go to the best place next to have the best probability of success. Yeah. Yeah. And I still remember a great professor Deepak Malhotra, um, and he he gave this talk at the end of, um, and it was really was a case of um, this this whole thing, you know you're the 1% of the 1%, you've got all the talent, you've achieved so much. And he was like, one day when you meet some, you know, but the majority of you are gonna be miserable. And I mean miserable. And they said, when you meet someone in the world one day who's got real problems, you've grown up in a, you know, in a conflict area in a third world country. And they ask you, Hugh, why are you so miserable? You know, what is your excuse gonna be? You know, and it was like it really hit home to me, um, and that's when he also then said, "It's this, this whole like quit, early quit, often, right? You can't figure this out, and rather than suffer for the sake of suffering, um, you know, don't quit. You, you know, it's like you know, find, make, quit, and keep quit until you find that thing where you are living <clears throat> purpose, best, highest use to yourself, and you can't over, you can't think your way out of this one most of the time." You have to experience it and then learn and iterate and bring it all back.
1: There's only there's only so much the philosophy can actually accomplish.
0: Exactly, and also there's the, the I think it's a human trait to tell a narrative, to tell yes. a story, yeah. right? And what I hope here um, for, for your listeners is that I just taken a lot of weird. I've gone one path and try to assess and take another path, and sometimes it's zigged and zagged. Um, and as a side note, there's a whole thing. If you're sailing across the ocean from London to America, you're only going in the correct direction about like, you know, 5% of the time. You always go in the wrong direction and then course correcting to go to the right direction and course correcting. Um, and so there is that element there that, um, you know, you just, you could try different things, but people will, humans want to create a story. Yeah. You want to create this perfect story of, like, oh, you went from here to here. It was this natural progression. It was predestined, blah, blah, blah. That's and a, it's, that's, that's and it sounds a, that's good in a, a book.
1: That's called a one-volume boring novel. I would rather right. the epic that has a series of about eight or ten books where everything got fucked up in the first one, and now what are we going to do? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> which, which by, all, by all accounts, is most entrepreneurs journey follow that and it sounds like you did too so you you went to harvard you ripped through that and then and then of course you you moved from once you got out of harvard well how how long were you there you, you did the couple of years
0: the two years there and so i was trying to decide what next initially i thought we you know it was my with my ex-wife who's american and that's what we sort of like had the natural try to move to america and um initially we thought we'd move to san francisco because that was where the next bright lights were. Sure, sure. You know, and that's where venture And all the business, listened.
1: all the capital. Yep, yep, that's Antec. where everything,
0: yep. Um, but I worked there for a summer at business school, and it was great, but I realized that San Francisco was more keeping up with the Joneses. Yep. And I actually yep, felt yep. it was more sinister than London and New York. London and New York, New York in particular, is just shameless.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: we're yeah. looking to make money and be the best, and, like, we're not, but San Francisco's like, oh, it's so cool. We're jeans and T-shirt. We got the place in Tahoe, and I just made a bunch <laughs> of money. In my Twitter stock. and it's like, I don't know. It was just this way more like, oh, made me kind of like cringe. And I was like, I don't. I just knew enough that that wasn't right for me.
1: By, by the way, you don't hear that a lot about San Francisco. Most people don't sit there and use the word cringe to describe San Fran. and 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 I, and, and let me qualify that. San Francisco's got a lot of great history. and It's got a lot of great architecture, and it's it's well known. It's well known for that kind of stuff. Nowadays, obviously, Silicon Valley, um, but but that hipster kind of feel, uh, very much so, exists in the midst of. We want to be the best, but we want to be cool being the best, and it, and it's really <clears throat> it's really interesting to watch. I mean, I, I'm when I was active with one of the portfolio companies, I, I I'm an investor in. We used to go to San Jose and I, I would drive all the way up there to San Francisco and never failed. Anytime we got into Silicon Valley, that whole mentality of, yeah, we're awesome. Uh, it, it, it was there. You could tell it was there. And what's funny is, is, I'm an older dude. So when I'd walk in and I'd see that attitude, I, it, every once in a while, I'd throw out a zinger and these young kids would look at me like, who are you? And I'm like, it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> it really doesn't matter. But anyway, so San Fran's out, obviously. Yeah, so San Fran's out. So then this is where it got interesting. So I'm like, I'm all over the place. Let's be honest. I like, am I going to go and try to start a hedge fund? Am I going to go and work at a technology startup? What am I going to go and do? I don't know. And, I, and I, I felt that like, I'm good at finance. I'm good at the numbers. So how can I be involved where something is like generating money, Right. But they're looking to build. So it's back to that thing, the building, but like going to the early stage company, like I'm not a product guy, a product manager. I'm not going to be like that was a, certainly that part of my career and trajectory. And um, so I started looking for other things and something jumped out of me. And it was uh, I came and stumbled across this job posting from um, a company called Rackspace.
1: Mm, know them. Yep.
0: And the funny thing is that the, the, the job posting, this is like a little tip for anyone who's trying to like the, the posting was. Uh, chief of staff to the ceo which by the way is like catnip to like (laughs) mbas or stuff like that. oh yeah because it's like there's this fear the great thing about banking and consulting it's very clear you put in the work and you're smart you get rewarded up and out if you don't you leave up and out it's very clear you don't (laughs) get stuck you just go and you either keep progressing or you leave for another opportunity but it's actually pretty straightforward they can see the path to partner or whatever it is however miserable that path might actually become but there's this fear amongst mbas like oh my god if i go to a corporate what if i get stuck in middle yeah. management <gasps> uh, yeah you know exactly, perish exactly. the thought of middle management um no, i'm no I'm, so, I'm a director
1: for life oh lord
0: i know exactly 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 <laughs> so that's where I'm like, oh, chief it's that the CEO. I'll be close to the CEO. I get to see the parts moving and then find them and make a move, right? And so, there, so that's the catnip. And honestly, you've got this sort of rack space and it said San Antonio next to it. And I'm from the UK. I don't know my US geography that great. I'm like, well, <laughs> man, it's probably near San Jose, right? I'm like, it's probably somewhere else in Silicon Valley. And then I like type it into Google Maps or something. And it's like, it's in Texas. Yeah. Oh my God. I think Texas is, is a big desert with cactuses. It's not a big desert. Oh no. It's like, oh like, no. Like, no. So much out, out of my window oh, here yeah. is unbelievable. But it's like this idea as a Brit, it's like, it's like, you know, everyone's wearing cowboy hats, desert and this cactus and uh, everyone's open carrying. Um, and so... And so it's like San Antonio. And so I go down, you know, so I, but I'm like, I'm going to explore this one. I'd been, um, and I would really, I really got into Warren Buffett at this point. And I think i read one of his, his, his monumental biography, The Snowball, yeah. which talked a bit in his journey. I'm going to screw this up a bit, but like he spent time in New York after he'd worked after he'd got his master's at Columbia and worked with Ben Graham, the famous value investor. But then he moved back to Omaha. Yeah. Right. You know, he got out of the city. You know, uh, uh, and to find his spot. Um. So to the punchline there, what I have found with San Antonio in the end now is San Antonio is my Omaha. You know, I found my place. There you but go. But it didn't. Well, again, it wasn't a linear journey because. No. My, no. Took, so took, not by what you just described. It's not linear at all. <laughs> I, so I took the job at Rackspace, but but San Antonio. I I came down to San Antonio. I'm like. In 2011 that was and whereas that's a decade ago and it's not what san antonio is today oh sure and they drove me around to look at like places you could live and one was like the sort of the kind of like yuppie where the rackspace folks with families lived which was this old neighborhood that was overpriced because it had a good school district sure. kind of a thing sure. and yeah. i remember then i was like i'm not really sure but i've been living in london and boston i'd summered and lived in san francisco for summer like I, and then the other place they showed me, they showed me like a place where in one of the suburbs and all like, I think was that show Weeds, like little boxes, little boxes. And I was like, <gasps> I was terrified. Um, so I went and lived in Austin because uh, I went to Austin. I was like, Austin, now this is cool. And it really was cool 10 years ago. And, um, and it was an hour away and Rackspace ran the shuttle bus, just like the same as Google runs the bus from San Francisco down to... Uh, you know um, Palo Alto. What's the what's and the and so what, I had the,
1: what's the commute time between that? How far is it? So that? at
0: the time, at the time, it was about uh, uh, a little over an hour, right, from okay. where I got on the bus and got to Ragsworth, because Ragsworth is on the northeast side of San Antonio, on the on the, <coughs> um, <coughs> and um, so it was actually pretty easy. And you were doing a reverse commute from Austin, where the worst traffic sure. was. Sure, um, <clears throat> so, uh, and I lived at South on the South side of Austin, so it was much easier. So anyway, I had a cool experience there. And so that was the beginning. Um, but again, that's you know, I hadn't yet got comfortable with me, right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> i'm here in texas i'm doing some i the chief of staff wasn't a real role it was fishing bait right but i came and worked for the m and team and helped turn around a business um called jungle disc which was a uh, a data backup business that rackspace had bought and this more comes into a story then um uh the rackspace bought it in 08 and then they'd stuck in the corner it was this red-headed stepchild right and they'd ignored it and it was going to implode so they were like you know come up with a plan i came up with a plan they're like Go do it. And I'm like, go do what? It's like, congratulations. You now run list Those people report to you. Build out the team. I was like, what? Like, it was. Like, go do it. You know, and this is because this is the sort of like that high achiever consultant banker kind of thinking. You come up with a plan, but someone else is going to do the doing. It's like, oh, I have to do the doing this time. Wow. So let's roll up the sleeves. Let's actually hire some people. Like, um, um, and that was really fun. And I stabilized that business. But once that business wasn't on fire, Right. Now it's not a big deal anymore. So now I'm looking for what's next. And I got this really weird phone call out of the blue from a, a hedge fund called Bridgewater Associates.
1: Okay. Before you do that, yes. Take a quick 30-second break. You guys want to hear about this story? This is gonna be this is gonna be yes. fire. So we're gonna take a short 30-second break. We'll be right back. We'll have we'll continue this story because this journey is this journey's fire. I love this. All right. Thirty seconds. Be right back. And we're back here, at Java Chat, sitting now with Hugh Edwards. We were just talking about his journey from from uh, San Antonio, being with Rackspace, and then he gets he got a weird phone call from a hedge fund, I, and I stopped it right there because I wanted to make sure you guys came back and hear the rest. There's more to this story, so just hang in there. Um, the, we'll, we'll turn it back over to Hugh. You had, why would you call it a weird phone call?
0: Well, firstly, the reason it's a weird phone call is it's out of the blue. I'm in San Antonio, Texas. I think I was actually, I recall now it was in the evening. I was in the car, driving. at that time. I was you know, a couple of times a week I would drive down there. So I didn't wasn't on the schedule. Sure, sure, I sure. recall I'm on I-35, I recall it being dark. I'm driving home. And I got this phone call, and it was from a recruiter for this uh, this company, Bridgewater Associates. Now I've heard of this company Bridgewater Associates. I think we did a case study on them at uh, Business School. They're the largest hedge fund in the world. I mean, yeah. that's not like it's not like one of the largest. It they literally are they the largest are hedge the fund. Largest. They have, I think, for their alpha portfolios about $60 billion under management. And then I think in total, something around $150 at the time, $150 billion under management, which is huge for a hedge fund. Obviously, pension funds that are bigger, et cetera. And their founder Ray Dalio is well known as a real character. It has a very kooky culture. Rackspace. <laughs> their mission is not to great create investment returns for uh, their their LPs. Their mission is excellence through radical truth and radical transparency. Jesus. Uh, so, but so uh, how about that? So I knew that much, right? And I knew some people who'd gone there. And so you, know, I knew. <clears throat> and the pitch is something like. Hugh, do you want to be an intellectual Navy SEAL? (laughs) Jesus. (laughs)
1: Aren't you just doubling up on the same thing that they already are? I mean, they're...
0: (laughs) And so, you know, in my head, you know, there's that piece of me driven by that lack, right? Of like, goddamn right I want to be an intellectual (laughs) Navy SEAL. That sounds awesome. (laughs) I've always thought the Navy SEAL sounded awesome. And I think I'm, you know, I'm, I like to think that I'm smart and want to be smart. I know Bridgewater the, it's the smartest people on the planet. And I had that experience there and it was an incredible experience. It was absolutely awful. <laughs> I was so miserable at Bridgewater because the truth is every one of this, every one of your guests and everyone in person, are like, if you ask the question, hey, um, would you like to understand your uh, strengths and weaknesses? And would you like to, you know, uh, learn from your mistakes? Yeah, that sounds great. Absolutely. It's like, but the reality is like, how would you like to be criticized um, for 90% of the day about how you suck and how you have poor logic, bad common sense, whatever. And that's why the thing you want your reports, your junior people, these 20 something top of their class at Dartmouth or Yale or whatever investors, Um, are telling me they're not gonna do the tasks you've asked them to do because they think I've poorly visualized it and I have bad common sense. And you're like, your your, your list is, my head is exploding at this point. Um, And it was miserable. I never got in a flow state. Every time there was then pop. And of course the old idea is like, you just got to get above it. It's not personal, it's just what is just trying to understand what is you You're just trying to find out what's true because then you can improve and get better and we let let's not fix this process we got to fix hue first yeah because if we just try to fix the the proximate cause of the process and Hugh keeps being hue the process is gonna get fucked up again so oh my gosh um but what a place to work um I think I knew within six months that I wanted it, That actually, within five months, that I was going to quit. Uh, and um, I, went, I went to my boss and, and I was like, you know, this is not going to work out. And they're like, well, what's your framework for, for that? Have to, you have to have a framework for quitting. I mean, right. last, I, last, last, I, last I thought, I thought that's the one thing you have as an employee, right, is like, I can quit. Give yeah. My, yeah, I'm an at will employee. I could give like my notes, it, but like, okay, so this is the framework. So I was like, okay, one, two, three. These are the reasons. And then they're like, okay, so this looks like we're naught for three. I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and so they're like, can we? Uh, this was this was January, I think it was. And they were like, can you? Um, well, can you stay till the end of the year? I'm like, the tax year? Like what year are you talking about? <laughs> like they're like, yeah. I mean December. I was like. No, no, no. (laughs) But I was like, I I, I think what is the I think I was like, well, I'll stay and they're a merciless firm. So I knew they would pay. And they were like, well, we'll pay you to stay. So I was like, well, I'll stay till June. Right. And bit. so then the interestingly happened. I was really miserable. I think I don't think I'd said that. I, mean, I remember for me, the moment was like one day driving to work and I only had like a 10 minute drive. So I take the long way, the more <laughs> scenic. I try to take longer. And I remember one point and I was like, I just want to, I think I was on the phone with the ex-wife, you know, um, t- you know, as I'm driving to work. And I was like, I just want to uh, crash my car into a tree right now. In a <laughs> non-fatal non-serious way that would just involve like me ruin- not being able to go to work for the whole day maybe be in the hospital maybe having to deal with fixing a car but just like and she's like i think you need to th- see a therapist like, well first <laughs> i was like i'm not wrong I'm, she's I'm, not wrong I'm, at that I'm, point that's i'm british that's, that's... we do not do therapy that's <laughs> um
1: that's for so you americans that's for you american peasants
0: you 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 you, you need yeah that. exactly that's for the that's movies that. you know <laughs> That's like, I just had visions of, you know, you know, uh, American Psycho. And he's got like, you know, the 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 wife there on the the Xanax in bed. With the, <laughs> anyway. and so, but I anyway, know I did. And of course, Bridgewater had a fucking hotline to the therapist. Like they had, because well, everyone that Bridgewater needs a therapist. Oh, I'm sure. So, oh my gosh. so so that was my first experience then of actually starting to talk about myself and my feelings. But I think the thing that was most notable then amazingly um and this is why i thank ray dalio and bridgewater for that ray attributes the vast majority of his success to one thing i i i'm curious if you can guess what that thing is
1: i would think tenacity but i'm probably wrong
0: yes and interesting uh meditation oh specifically transcendental meditation um, and he learned it in the 70s and he practiced it twice a day and he would pay at Bridgewater for anyone to take to be because TM um, has a fee, you know, initiation fee sure. for the cost of it. It's actually four days of in-person training. And so it's like, so, you know, they would Bridgewater would pay that thousand dollars or whatever. Nice. Um, <clears throat> and so. Um, but it had some strings attached. So in the end, I ended up painting it myself. So I didn't want the bridgewater strings attached to it, but I wasn't, right. you know, cause it was like, you gotta check in, you're to pay some now and some later and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I think I need this. I, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so, so I started meditating and it's one of the greatest things I've ever done. And, uh, there are, there have been years where i've been super cool. consistent there have been times when i've you know lost my consistency but it's always been a tool in the toolbox that i go back to and often it's been a daily practice sure um and so just the thing it got to about may and my boss at Bridgewater was like oh my god like you are kicking ass you are taking names um i basically figured out you know so when that when those junior people were like oh you, are, Hugh, you know, I'm not going to do that because it's poorly visualized. And I'd be like, no, you're just operating on the wrong level of thinking. You're not seeing, you're not, you're focused on the, the, me, the you down here, not the you up here. And then they'd go cross-eyed. I basically figured out how to out-ninja them with the bridge. Original- <laughs> the has like 300 principles. Yeah. Right? You know for doing things and it's like wedding crashes it's like rule 76 you know like don't do this on a thursday rule 33 you know Bridget was like principle this you know you're you know n- you know n- you're not trusting in truth well rule 57 you're operating <laughs> at the wrong level you know <laughs> it's a crazy game um, and i learned to play that game and my boss is like what what happened you need to stay you got to stay you're kicking ass and i was like i said two things one I started meditating in you know, a TM. So I can actually manage my anxiety and I can sort of seem to slow down and have perspective. And two, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing when you don't give a fuck about something. Yeah, I think it's a great book on mm-hmm. that. I think it's like, you know, it's the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah. It's um, a good
1: note. Actually, that's a good book.
0: Uh, if, it, if if that, you know, there's many different presentations of it. If that one, if that resonates and hits you, it's a great, it's a great one. Um, it,
1: it's it's interesting that there are, and, and there's a few different books in and around that subject. That one kind of lays it out pretty plainly and raw. Um, uh, who's there's, a, there's another one. Um, I'll have to find it, but it, it also deals with the same idea.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, How to unfuck Yourself. Yes. And that's another, that's another one that talks about, essentially the same idea and it's it's not about being carelessly not giving a fuck it's really about you can't be attached to it if you're yes. attached if you're attached to the outcome emotionally you're going to have issues exactly. and it, it's it's something that you know i'm 50 it's taken me 20 years to get to that point where i can you know reasonably have that disconnection not that i don't feel you know uh bad or good about something it's just there's really no time to be stuck in, in the mire of emotions mm-hmm. sense. And that, and that, that's meditation is definitely one of the ways out of it.
0: Yes.
1: Cause you can, you can let that, when I learned it from martial arts, it was you allow the thought to come up, you observe it, you appreciate it and you let it go. Yes. You let it pass by otherwise. And then if it sticks in front of you, for some reason, you can't let it go. Now you start looking back going, why am I stuck on this? What is it about me that's holding on to this one particular thought mm-hmm. uh, it's helped through a lot of things through relationships through businesses through you know situations that came up where things went sideways with situations where things were really really good because you can get stuck on those too and then yes. you get sandbagged and you don't know what the fuck happened you know it's just like what did i miss you know but that's so cool so you got into that you got into that space yeah you still, you still left
0: I still, so I left, I stayed till August in the end. Oh wow, um, okay. You gave me a couple extra months. was really with my while and it meant that I didn't have to really work for a period afterwards. And, <laughs> Good. Uh, moved to the mountains. Um, I had without a plan, which was the first time I'd ever done that in life. My only plan was to ski a hundred days that following winter. Um, I achieved that goal. There's probably <laughs> I, and that wasn't really. I was pretty happy on every freaking day I I, I I was happy on day 100, but that was not really. I wasn't really. That was a, that was a loose kind of like, you know, something to guide the winter and nice. just um, have something to think about. But um, but doing it, my one of my old um, colleagues, bosses, kind of a boss, but never really felt like a boss at Rackspace. and he was the one when I told him about the offer from Bridgewater. He's like, "You have to take that job." You know, you can't miss an opportunity to go and experience that. Um, so he helped me drive a car. He came, when I left Connecticut, he, he, he flew out there and helped me drive some cars. You know, I, I did a stupid idea to, to try to save a thousand bucks. And I thought I, I was going to drive one car. I'll tow the second car on a trailer. Don't do that. No. Nope. Do but it was character building you know, really <laughs> we got all these scrapes, we get boxed in overnight where we try to park somewhere, but he flew out there and drove because the ex-wife was like I'm flying, you can go and drive the cars in the trailer on your own um, and so, uh, so I ended up um, so we, and doing that, he's like, what do you want to do next? And I was like, I'm really jaded at this point, I'm kind of jaded, I thought this was the panacea with you know, Bridgewater. And so I'd like to do some try before you buy. And he's like, Would you do something with Rackspace? I said, Well, maybe I do some consulting. I'm not going to go work there. He's like, You could probably do it in Colorado. So anyway, he calls me up shortly after and he's like, Hey, Rackspace is going to sell some businesses. And um, oh, one yeah. of them is Jungle Disc. You ran the business, you know it. Will you help us sell it? We're short on the team here. They've hired a bank. You can do it while you're in Colorado. So I did. And so, you know, painting the picture for what a buyer would see, running the numbers, the presentation, all that kind of stuff. And remember, this was this business was this redheaded stepchild. Oh, yeah. Uh, no one, one thinks things that. That was a crappy business. It's like this business had like, it wasn't being invested in, but had 50% EBITDA margins, super sticky customers, great lifetime value. Um, Their customers grew over time naturally because you know what? People store more data. So if you're doing encrypted backup and storage of stuff, it just grows. They sure. just weren't acquiring new customers. They just weren't really looking to do any invest at all in the business. So I looked at Brett and I was like, we should buy this business. <sighs> and he's like, yeah. He's like, do you think? We, I was like, we can borrow a bunch of money. This is like real good cash flow. We could borrow money from the bank. We're going to raise some equity. And the short story is we did. We got, <sighs> in, we raised about 18 million of debt, about, you know, 12 million of equity, Um, did a management buyout of the business. He and I equal partners. He's CEO, I was CFO. Um, and uh, and then I moved back to Texas and it took a year to do that deal. Let's be clear. Oh, and sure, a lot yeah. of moments there where you know, there's a phrase and you know this because you said know, it's not a real deal if you didn't die three times. Exactly. And so it died. I mean, it died just before Christmas. Oh. And the, fir- the third time. And I was like, I was going to, we are going to go home to, to Wales. I was like, I'm not going home to Wales. i have got zero interest to go home to Wales. Like, <laughs> so, but anyway, but then it, we, it, we, we, we resurrected. And on January 6th, 2016, we closed the, closed the thing. And, um, and it's been a blast, like running, that's truly running my own business um, with a partner who I trust. And, you know, and we were talk, we talk every day. We're often not in the same room. We would talk on the phone, in the car, whatever. Um, and that's been a great journey that has led to other things. And it's also nonlinear. Like we struggled to grow that business, very profitable, paid down a lot of debt, and we looked for some acquisitions. And then in September this year, so five and a half years in, we bought three other companies and like 5X the size of the business. Nice. You know? Um, and brought in some new investors along the way. We've provided some liquidity to our to our original investors who are ready to like they've done their five years stint, is mm. great, great. Um, and so that has been a cool journey. And you know what? I couldn't have planned it at business school, I couldn't have th- thought it out at HBS.
1: You know, it, business school. You I couldn't it. have it you just that, came
0: though. up. Yeah, I didn't plan to be in cybersecurity data backup turns out not a bad place to be in the current world but i didn't know it It was just the red-headed stepchild business that everyone thought was it was the gold nugget in the rough you know
1: no one ever really it's, it's interesting to me because like even even when i was doing the angel investing thing it was always interesting to me how a lot of ideas that came out were they were good ideas but nobody could see the, the, the potential beyond five or, or six years. It was like, ah, oh, that's a five-year deal. And, and you know, it, it won't be needed by that time because tech is moving so quickly. I'm like, yeah, but there's some staples even within each niche. Apparently cybersecurity is one of them um, where it makes sense just to sit in it and work it and advance the technology. But the, the need for the service doesn't really go
0: away you know absolutely
1: uh, yeah i got a buddy absolutely. who just moved to houston he's looking to to open up a security company again because he says the, the neighborhood he's in is ripe for it i'm like why are you telling me you were thinking about it do just, it let's just go do it you're one of the angel investors i worked for you know how to raise money go get it. it it's and then of course it evolves. i mean the first time he did it he was in calabasas california and he ended up selling out to adt before they ever became big so I mean, and this is this is what but you're in a you're in a position where you're an acquisition. So you have so is it still jungle desk?
0: So that's still jungle disc. I'm still on the board of that. Now the interesting thing, um one quick comment before then, I mean again, because didn't plan, but when we bought it, we didn't take we raised money from family offices that okay. typically invest in cash flow in oil and gas things because we knew this business with cash flow <laughs> and we thought we could own this for a decade or more. Yeah. You'd end up paying back the debt. We could get everyone all their original investment back. And everyone could just be clipping, you know, yeah. dividends. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, um, and we also knew that like this wasn't a platform business. We didn't have to win the platform. You know, we were selling to small businesses that needed it, two to 250 employee businesses, backing up their data, helping them with password management, security awareness, these kind of things. You know, and that they and with the data, the data's sticky. But the funny thing is when we bought it in 2016, even that sort of period, 2013 to to there, everyone had gone more and more. Everyone's in Dropbox and Google Drive, right? And people are questioning, do we need backup? And ironically, now we've come full circle. Like, sync is not backup because if it syncs, it deletes everywhere. Like, if it deletes one place, it deletes everywhere. And also, if your account gets compromised, which it could, they could delete everything. So what people realize, you want a safe, secure second copy. And now, even more today, there's a question, like, when you ha- your data in Google Drive, let's be very clear, and Dropbox is unencrypted. Yeah. Like, they see it all. Yeah. So, our data, you know, our product, which was, this is a feature, not a bug, but seems like a bug. You have an encryption key when you sign up, you create, and it encrypts locally, and then we just see encrypted blocks. So, like, if the if a government agency comes to us and subpoenas us, we would hand over the data and say, "Here is encrypted data. Have at it. We don't have the keys. Go find the customer and go chase them down." Like, that's not, you know, it's very clear in our terms of service and it's very clear about our policy, and um, and so we've even had customers call up and they're like, "Hey, I'm trying to restore some data and I've forgotten my my key. Can you just re- password reset it?" And we're like, it doesn't work like that, and eventually, like <laughs> so, you actually have to help them think through and find it. It's like a treasure hunt. It's like a scavenger hunt, and usually you can. They it's were just. Enemy, it's, you know, like but it's like a crypto
1: wallet, isn't it? You got You got to remember your key. You don't want to lose. Don't
0: remember your keys, but remember. But most, of, we're so used to like, oh, they can just password reset it. right you think password reset it? Like they can see it all as well. Yeah. It's clear. Yeah. Um. So um. So was, anyway. Last. Um, so that has been a fun journey. After two years, we were looking to expand, and we saw this opportunity in a different area of insurance. Hey, these businesses get hacked. What about insurance? And that's led to the, like a four-year, 2018, I, so we sort of created this, incubated a team within Junglist and then spun it out in 2019 to go and create an insurance offering for, ended up being for, you know, a, 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 e- for e-commerce that paid out when their websites go down. Nice. And it would pay out within twenty four hours based on based on if they're down for you know twenty four hours after the waiting period, it would pay out twenty four times their hourly revenue, you know. And we thought it was we had an innovative way to you know assess the risks because of our technology backgrounds, and to monitor websites and create an actuarial model. It was very excited, and we raised venture capital money two years ago, and it hasn't worked. So and we're at the, we're at the end of the journey right now with that one we're at the end of the run the cash runway we've had very supportive vcs along the way but we didn't find product market fit product channel fit it's you know we got some relationships with insurance companies and then got some pulled that really were like you can't just create a thing on its own you have to partner because we're not an insurance company we you know we right. need hundreds, millions of dollars of capital and yada yada so and so I'm sharing that because I want your listeners to know that like, you know, that was a failure, right? $4 million. That happens. And so I want people to realize that it's not always, but God, what a journey it was. And we have, we believed in our mission. We built a team. I then laid off a team over the past 18 months. I was past, yeah, you know, from COVID to now of different things to try to keep the business alive and going. And You know, experience things I hadn't hadn't experienced before. Um,
1: I bet you learned a lot about insurance too.
0: I learned a lot about insurance and also learned a lot about, you know, culture. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, A little side note there we, you know, one of my co founders had also worked at Bridgewater. And so we kind of went a little crazy with our culture about, like, not quite as crazy as Bridgewater, but about, democratizing people management it wasn't quite holacracy but it was like very inspired by everyone having a voice no bullshit managers kind of stuff if you've uh uh that read was- any of Graber's work bullshit that jobs was,
1: that like was that. That was doing that kind of thing for a while
0: yeah and um and we came up with this super complicated in hindsight you know values and principles and stuff and it didn't work. You know, we learned a ton from that process and that's a whole series of podcasts. And it came back to one thing I thought about Rackspace. And so, you know, I think, you know, like uh, uh, was Robert Scoble who yep. worked there. And if you might have heard as well, or at least heard of Graham Weston, who was one of the yes. first investors in Rackspace, was sort yep. of not the three original founders, but was effectively, a, when he bought the money in and it took it on its new journey, then he was CEO for a very long time and then yep. chairman yeah. until it went <laughs> private. And I remember at Rackspace, Rackspace had this motto and it was on the walls everywhere. And look, it wasn't bullshit. People actually followed this. And it was very simple. Everyone wants to be... Three parts here. Everyone wants to be a valued member of a winning team on an inspire mission. And it's that simple. Yeah. And I use it now. And it's like, I can I can diagnose what's going wrong with the business in three ways. Like, people weren't feeling valued. Okay? Or... The team's not winning. I mean, it's tough. That's what's tough in startup. If you're not winning, it's tough, right? Yeah. Um, and then there are times where you're like, well, we th- we had an inspiring mission, but is it really inspiring? Are we really helping businesses and small businesses? Are we really, really just helping insurance companies? Right. Um, or, you know, it's... Uh, and so... That has just been a fascinating thing, which is a whole separate podcast to dive into. That business was called Cyber Fortress. It was called Cyber Fortress. And, you know, we're nearing the end of the journey with that one now and trying to find the, the, the right. We built some great tech and IP. Um, but it, that's where it sort of leads to today. I know we're getting close to time. Um, I'm, I'm prone to ramble. Um, uh, you're, in, you're my going, deep,
1: now.
0: in that moment at Bridgewater where I d- made it through the hump around the time when my boss is like, you're crushing it. Why aren't you staying? It's like, I don't care. Um, I'm going to be meditating. <laughs> I remember that point there thinking, God, there are so many people like me, um, who are fucked up and overeducated. And I said, one day I'm going to come back and do something in that space. I'm going to help others like me. Um, And so that's going to be that's I've been doing that informally over the past 18 to 24 months. And we're going to be looking to do more of it now, more formally, probably in the in this next, you know, in 2022, which is in this world, there is no reason to be stuck in corporate slavery. True.
1: And I think that's going to lead us into our next section. So let's take that last 30 second break. When we come back, we'll talk about what he's up to next, which. Sounds like it's getting into the meditation space. This is going to be interesting. You guys see you guys in about 30 seconds back here at Java chat, hanging out with Hugh Edwards and we were just starting to talk about where Hugh's heading next. Um, obviously he still has his companies, but he's also been working on something new, uh, where entrepreneurs and I honestly, I think just about anybody ought to be thinking about doing this, um, can get themselves to a better stasis through what he's about to share. What are you up to?
0: Yeah. So the punchline here is that um what I do and what we do in uh in 2022 is uh liberating overeducated high achievers from corporate slavery. Love it. And because there are too many miserable individuals like me back in 2014 mm-hmm. um, who they have it all they've got the house they probably got the funds they've got the 401k they've got a you know stock portfolio you've got the wife and kids or the husband and kids um they they have they've have made it you know and i'm sort of you know typically i'm 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 largely focused on people sort of 10 years into their career Sort of in that realm, plus or minus, you know, five kind of thing. Um, And they're questioning, like, I'm still miserable. I've got it. I'm miserable. I'm maybe working too hard. My health might not be great. I might be drinking a fair amount. I might be doing other things. I might not be exercising. I might just not be taking care of myself physically, mentally. Yeah. Um, And uh, and may not see a path and i want to be a light a lighthouse to sort of guide them into a safe harbor got it um, and hopefully inspire and share that it can be done um because i didn't plan to buy a cybersecurity company <laughs> i was in a corporate at the time i wasn't super miserable there as versus when i was in the hedge fund but yeah. you know um but there was this under my nose, there was this, and luckily for me, it was sort of in my face under my nose, was this red-headed stepchild yeah. that wasn't a fit to stay in that company, and I I, I was with a great partner of mine who were, you know, still great partners, We're able to buy that and, you know, take charge of our own destiny, Yeah, and really, like, and wow, empower that team that now has a purpose, they're not just inside this big corporation, get them aligned on a mission, and... You know, and living a more entrepreneurial journey. And so um, in the world we live in, and you're a great example of this, I mean, so many there, it's like, there are so many opportunities right now. Mm-hmm. There are opportunities in e-commerce. Yep. There's opportunities in podcasting. If you have a niche, a passion, there's op- op- opportunities in coaching. If you have a particular, you know, you're an expert of this particular supply chain. Screw doing that for a big corporate. How can you go create a little business for yourself, doing that for others on more on your time, taking the clients that you want to take yep. um, and, uh, and delivering value there where it's not just going into the belly of a big beast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And
0: so sense. really what I'm looking to do there is um, provide a process for them. Uh, I'm calling it the bridge method because it really is a bridge to freedom. And it's funny. A bridge is a theme for me. It's funny, like I the the VC firm I worked for in London was called Bridges Ventures. I ended up going to work at Bridgewater Associates. There is like um one of my uh, a lot
1: of bridges in your life, there,
0: buddy. A lot of bridges in my life. One of my my the title of my essay for going to Harvard Business School um was a Welsh proverb, which was which is um um from one of the the Mabinogi, which is the famous Celtic literature, and it goes Avo ben bond which translates as to be a leader be a bridge and um, and the story is actually of a giant who laid there was you know who they, they were trying to go and save the you know the the, the, the maraud, you know the people from the Marauders and there was a the bridge had fallen and he the, the giant laid down and his head became the bridge and they walked across the you know his head to the um. And so you, you, have a, well. you, have a new nickname. What's that? The Bridger. The Bridger. The Bridger. The Bridger <laughs> That's awesome, man. So what the bridge method looks like is a three-month program uh, working with me and working with a cohort, you know, each quarter, because I believe I believe you need a guide. Yeah. I have had so many mentors in my life and i have paid for mentors for coaches for therapists for for leaders i you know and i think that's important that from someone you trust you relate to who has done it mm. can help show mm. you show you the path that you could you still have to walk the walk oh sure but having a guide you versus trying to figure out yourself but i think also having a tribe is incredibly valuable. Mm
1: -hmm. I have
0: mastermind groups um, with my entrepreneurship, with my other, you know, in I have masterminds with my sort of like, you know, um, other, you know, thinking about myself, you know, self-worth, et cetera. And and so combining those things together and over that three months, it really is a path to um, really getting to know themselves first. Um, That's the sort of first month. And maybe taking a pause. Yeah. Maybe prioritizing some time for themselves. I love this idea of what I call the golden hour. And look, there is, I'm not making anything new here. I'm reusing tools that I've learned from others. This is an open source world, and that we can, you know, um, and it's then finding what works for you and for those that will you work with you. Um, but it really is like to call it the golden hour,
1: right? Yeah, gotcha.
0: Can you prioritize an hour? to yourself before you start your work for the day are you worth it and that could then involve some breathing maybe there's some meditation maybe there's some journaling maybe it's just sitting with a car in a coffee shop with a cup of coffee with your phone left in the car before you go into work like give yourself one hour after you've done the chores with the kids and the family in the home You know, but can or maybe you get up early, maybe you're getting up at 5am and you're sitting down with that, you know, cup of coffee then, but with no distractions, no email, how are you prioritizing that time? And so that first month is really working there to explore, you know, what matters to you. Um, uh, what is the, you know, what your, what your three-year vision is, right? Right. And what does that look like? And really start to explore and then what's getting in your way right now. Right. And so out of that comes some vehicles. There may be many vehicles, so some ideas to vehicles. And that could be an e-commerce business, could be a coaching business. My favorite, if it's for the right person, and where I have particular, is like, you're in L'Oreal. You actually do like and super interested in scent and perfume or whatever, but you're over over the fucking corporate bullshit and the corporate politics. Yeah. And maybe there's that little product line there that actually isn't really working great for L'Oreal. It's not the, like, Calvin Klein 5, whatever. Right. But it's like, hey, this has a niche following. You actually love... Maybe you love the scent as well. Maybe it resonates with you. Maybe it has a story. This The scent has a story. Maybe there's a history. Maybe this is... Some of these scents, these recipes are really old. Yeah. Maybe 100 years old. So... And maybe that is the redheaded stepchild. And maybe you go... And approach your, you know, management internally and say, hey, I'd like to, this business isn't really, doesn't make sense for that corporation anymore. I'd like to buy that business. Yeah. And people are like, that's crazy. And like, no, it's not. It's crazy not to try. Right? Um, and people just don't think about doing it. Often it's not, you know, because it's the redheaded stepchild. Oh yeah. Um, so that's why month two is really uh, uh, an exercise in exploring vehicle selection. So that's why I think there may be many vehicles to help to, to, you know, to exit the corporate slavery, the corporate prison, and, you know, you know, embark on that journey for that vision for your life. Um, And so it really is going through and sort of systematically, like, you know, exploring them and testing them out and testing them out, testing with other people, testing with friends, Mm. testing journaling and exploring. And, you know, I like to use the word like, try to try it on for size you know (laughs) um and then month three is is action right And execution so how can what are the steps now to actually make something happen um so so to the end of it maybe that isn't quitting the job at the end of the three months maybe it is maybe it's starting the side job i still remember there was um uh Manish, Manish Pabrai, he's a Buffett cloner, wrote a great book, uh, Heads I Win, Tails I Don't Lose Too Much. <laughs> and he, he talks about, he built a business, a tech business, and then sold it. And then he's a, a Warren Buffett-style investor, value investor. But he likes to talk, and he says, often when people come to him and they're like, they have a, an idea, they're like, oh, I want to I start a business. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go quit my job and start a business and that and he's like, <clears throat> he has a different attitude, right? And that's is this is like, um, how many hours are there in a week? In a week? 168. 168. Yeah, 168. You're in your job. How can you do the bare minimum in your job to not get fired? That's your own mission at this point. Just going to, you're going to start to slack off and do them in. maybe that's 40 hours a week maybe it's 35 right so say it's 40 hours a week right 128 hours you might need some sleep you might need time some family but prioritize how you want to spend it and how can you figure out this next business on someone else's dime and it's kind of brilliant because you know some of the conventional thing is just like follow your heart, listen to your, you know, do it, quit, right? And I'm not, I'm not saying don't quit, because at that point, what you're doing, you're, you're quitting. You're just quitting on your terms in a very yeah. different way. And in a way, that's what happened to me at Bridgewater. I quit in February and worked for six months, you know. <laughs> you know, when I was, you're, you know. the two weeks
1: notice got a little extended. <laughs> exactly.
0: But um, So at the end of the three months, there's a point there where action is to be taken. You know has been taken there's and there's kind of a, a path of yeah. course there's going to be evolution it's gonna change there's mm-hmm. gonna be adapting but um so that's really where you know what i'm looking to do i'm only bringing on a handful of clients um the the goal is you know half a dozen a quarter so it's a small intimate group um there it consists of you know weekly zooms as a group and one-on-one mm-hmm. um, and then actually it involves getting together I'm a big oh, believer cool. in person. So, so there's a so real thing. Yeah. So kind of like a, you know, at the, depending on the person and where they are, because they can be anywhere in the world. I don't care. Um, and so I'll make that work. Um, if they're nearby in some way and want to connect, I love make meeting in person. So once a month, they could be meeting, making it happen in person. But I certainly, there's a capstone at the end of the three months, getting together and doing a little adventure somewhere. Maybe it's the mountains, maybe it's the desert. Maybe it's at the, you know, at the water, but.
1: Um, are you still, are you still in Austin or where are you now?
0: I'm still, so I'm in San Antonio. So this is the funny thing. Maybe ah, okay. The story. So when we bought Jungle Disc, so in 2016, San Antonio changed. And now I was ready to be in San Antonio. They've been going
1: through a massive growth, actually. Massive
0: uh, growth. And it's great. And it's, it's literally half the price per square foot of housing in Austin. It uh, doesn't have the traffic problems of Austin. No. I can still drive up to Austin and go, uh, go and see friends in Austin and go out for dinner in Austin or. Spend a weekend in Austin. Yeah, it's not um, very
1: far. It's it's but far. we were we were looking at a couple of um we were actually looking at a few hotel properties out there that were up for sale. Yes. Uh, one that was just outside of San Antonio, um, another little town that's been actually no longer little. It's been growing like a weed. I mean, I can't remember the name of it, but there's there's a lot of opportunity going on where. you're Yeah,
0: at. I think may, possibly if there's New Braunfels and there's San Marcos. New right? Braunfels, that's where it was. Yeah. San Marcos, yeah. And um, and they have been there, I think, one of the fastest growing cities in at least Texas, if not the U.S. They're one of um, they're one of
1: the top, I think, one of the top 20 fastest growing right now.
0: Yeah. And uh, I think Texas is a great place to live right now. I think um, uh, the weather's fantastic um, uh, in terms of individual freedoms um, on a day to day basis. Um, uh, I think, you know, and we're seeing that with the people leaving Silicon Valley and New York to move to Austin. Um, and, uh, and then another piece of the journey, which I will just leave because this is another podcast as well. Um, over this past year, I personally fell down uh, the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, and I'm a complete believer. Um, I'm not a shitcoiner. I had two weeks of shitcoining. Uh, no offense to any of your folks because crypto is silicon Valley all over again pretty much um uh, and bitcoin is freedom for the world um fix the money fix the problems um but interestingly there there's an interesting thing there uh, there's a great person who wrote an article um who i think has he goes by a, a pseudonym Croesus. He was a Greek god, I believe, or a Greek yeah. king. And <laughs> and, uh, and I believe he has a similar path history to me. I think he worked at the top places. I think he went to the, one of the top business schools. And he wrote a great article on how the yuppie elite can't get Bitcoin. And I was like, I had opportunities in 2013 and in 2016. 20- 17 I had multiple multiple opportunities of the past like to get bitcoin and to get in early and i couldn't get it. i couldn't see it. i was i worked at the goldman sachs we were close to the money printer that is the bank of england I, and the federal reserve
1: i, I missed it at a hundred dollars trust me I, I i kicked the that's one where as much as i'm not attached to the outcome i still kick the floor knowing that i missed that deal
0: <laughs> the only good thing is is we're still so early I mean,
1: <clears throat> yeah it's nowhere it's nowhere near where it's gonna go
0: Bitcoin at the price we deserve, and we just need to embrace it at that yeah. point. Yeah. But there's an interesting thing there. That's I've added some vehicles um, to, the, to the fleet of possibilities for the folks that I work with, which yeah. could be like, hey, there might be putting, you know, transfer, moving some of your wealth to Bitcoin. Maybe I'm a big believer in Bitcoin mining um, and how that can continue to make an investment work for you. So you can make Bitcoin on Bitcoin, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so there are any number of, and again, I think Texas is a, is you're gonna see that here in Texas is a, it's the new capital I think of Bitcoin mining because of all the, you know, the low cost energy we have here and the opportunities. There's, there's a
1: couple of other things. I'm, I might have somebody that I need to introduce you to. He's a young engineer that's um, figured out a different way of uh, mining without GPUs, um, which yes. is definitely, yeah. I guess they left GPUs a couple of years ago and I mm-hmm. I, had, I had no idea. Um, but he's he's like one of the top of his field, so it might make sense to connect the two of you so you guys can talk.
0: We'd love that. Uh, yeah, great.
1: for sure. Um, thanks, man. This is this has been a, a wonderful, a wonderful coffee chat just sitting down and, and hearing your story. Um, the, the nonlinear, somewhat disorganized, chaotic way that it all <laughs> happened. <laughs> and yes. yet and yet all came out purposely perfect um, so far anyway. Yes. Um, the the I think what most could take from this again comes back down to no journey is ever the same that you can't hold your journey up against well, certainly can't hold it up like against Warren Buffett's journey. you can't hold it up against you know anybody else's journey. it's yours to experience and to figure out um, and and the more you figure out about it, the better and easier it will be for you to see the larger picture, which I think is, is what happens a lot of times. A lot of guys get stuck on the, on the finite tunnel vision that happens rather than seeing the big picture. Um, when, when you can step back and actually see that, I mean, get a real gander at what the bigger picture looks like, it becomes easier to see where you fit in. And I, I know that's a, that's a big problem with people that are highly intelligent. They don't know where they fit in. And what yes. they don't realize is they already do. They already do fit in. It's just in its its own its own unique way.
0: Yeah.
1: Cool. Well, I appreciate you, Hugh. Thanks for coming and, and hanging out with me. It was a it was a joy having you, buddy.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, if so, people want to.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, where can we find you?
0: Yeah. So right now, the 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 best place for people to find me uh, is on LinkedIn. Um, my name Hugh Edwards as H U W Edwards. I think it's all that one word, Hugh Edwards, you know, the LinkedIn slash in slash Hugh Edwards will get you there. Yep. Um, I'm also on Twitter. I think it's Hugh J. Edwards. Uh, I talk more, but I talk also talk more about Bitcoin and other kind of things on Twitter as well. Um, and, and, uh, and if they want to email me, it's Hugh H-U-W at Hugh J. Edwards.com. Uh, if they want to reach out, uh, I don't have a, a fancy shiny website yet. Um, Again, trying not to make perfection the, you know, the enemy of progress and uh, um, just keep moving along. And uh, I'm, I'm open. I'm pretty selective of the people I work with because I only want to work with people who are stuck, but also have great vision. Like um, we're not playing small here. Um, I also want to work with very focused people um, and a limited number um uh and to give them the quality time that they deserve um but i am open uh for inquiries right now if anything today has resonated um and if it hasn't that's also okay too
1: all all good guys you guys know how this works we put all of those links down below so you'll see his linkedin his twitter and and of course his his email will be down in the comments if you have questions obviously drop comments in there or just send him an email um (laughs) If you and don't forget, if you haven't subscribed, subscribe, hit the bell next to it. Make sure you guys know when we get great guests like this This is a good storyteller. I like this guy. Um, and then if you're listening on anchor <clears throat> or any of the other what is it, 11 platforms that we're on, make sure you download, subscribe, whatever that is that you need to do there. Uh, we are on Spotify, which I still to this day, I'm just like blown away. I'm, I'm even on that platform. Um, if you're listening to us on anchor. Please, you know, show some support. If you're listening to us on iTunes, leave us a review, and you know, be honest. Be brutally honest if you have to. There goes my pen. Uh, be brutally honest if you have to. I, I actually got my first hater off of, a, of one of my uh, uh, one of my uh, podcast interviews and said he should have just shut up and not said anything, and it would have been fine. And I'm like, wow, cool, okay, right on. I think I've arrived. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you for making the time and taking the time to come and listen to us. Oh, last thing, you heard all of this awesomeness, so you gotta know somebody who would probably benefit from this. Send them the link, you know, send them the podcast, show them what they're missing, you know, have them come and listen to this one and then they'll they'll probably go and find some more. It's meant for everybody. It's meant for you, the entrepreneur, you, the business professional, you, the the heavy thinker, you, the, the not so heavy thinker, the guy that's at the gas station. This is all meant for all of you guys because there's something in it for everybody. And that's why we do this. Yeah. Is this this is as much as it's just me and Hugh sitting down talking and 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 talking story as I like to call it. Inside there is something for everyone. Share it with them. So again, stay up, stay safe, stay healthy, and live for myself. Coffee with Mike and Hugh Edwards. Ciao for now.
0: For more information on Java Chat, visit www.javachatpodcast.com. You've been listening to Coffee with Mike on Java Chat. Tune in weekly to this podcast for the next episode. You can also download or subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform. A production of Oasis Media Group, LLC. Located in Las Vegas, Nevada. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.